Welcome to Change Making Women, the podcast for women who make a difference. With Ziad Abed in Dar es Salaam, Tanzania, and Marianne Clements in London, in the UK. So, hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Change Making Women. And um, I'm here uh, in London, and Ziada's back with us this week in Dar es Salaam. Hi, Ziada. Hi, how are you guys? Sorry I missed out on the show last week. That's all right. <laughs> I know you had a little bit of an accident, so I'm glad that you're feeling better. Yes, I did. Now I'm feeling much better, yes. Good. Good. So we're really excited this week. We have Rona Dietrich. Um, she's with us from, from the US and she's going to tell us maybe where she is. Well, hopefully where she is. <laughs> so we can all hear that. And then um, a little bit about herself and then we'll, we'll go into the, um, some, some more discussion and questions on our show. So thank you both for having me. Honor and privilege to be here. Uh, I am in Tacoma, Washington, which is about a half an hour south of Seattle. And I am a writer and entrepreneur and speaker and kind of coach slash spiritual director is the best way for me to describe my work. Uh, I work directly with clients in one-on-one relationships. And then I have an online space Uh, where I blog and where I offer various products and offerings and courses and different things. One of those particularly has to do with writing. And then I do, um, and a lot of my writing is working with ancient sacred narratives of women. So old, old stories from the Bible that we have pretty much um, discarded. Uh, Many of us have discarded, but that I'm just not quite willing to let go of yet. And so I'm trying to work with in really redemptive and feminist and forward thinking ways in order to offer us as women really powerful and strong stories uh, that guide us and walk alongside us so that we don't feel quite so alone. (laughs) Sounds sounds really exciting. And I know I should have said in the intro that I've um, worked with you a little bit and also um, I read, read quite a lot of your stuff. So it's really fascinating. And um, even before we go on with the show, you could just tell us your website so that people can go find your writing and read a bit more sure. about you. Yeah, so it's just ronadietrich.com, R-O-N-N-A-D-E-T-R-I-C-K.com. Cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to start by asking you a bit about how writing has become a sort of central um, facet of what you do and theme in your work. Because I know that recently you've launched the offering with writing, which you can also tell us about, of course. But um, just how writing came center stage in your work and, and, and what that's meant to you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like many of us, I've been writing in some form for as long as I can remember, you know, with journals and diaries and all those kinds of things. But about 10 or 11 years ago, uh, I started a blog, really because I needed a space to be, let me say this differently, what I knew was that what I was writing for myself was not the same as what I would write if I knew someone else was reading it. And I wanted to experiment with what would happen if I wrote things that I knew others could potentially read. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, early on, no one was reading that, but it was the prospect that someone possibly could that really began to adjust my writing style and mm-hmm. competency and um, content to be sure, all of those things. So simultaneous to that ongoing process and the growth that I've um, experienced in that that process, I still do my own writing for me, my journaling that never makes it onto my blog, that wouldn't be anything that I would share, that's, that's really important for my own ongoing sort of contemplative practice, my own discipline, and my own soul, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like, it's how I remain sane in many ways. Mm-hmm. So... I think that um, it's been important and helpful for me to recognize not that I have two voices, but that different aspects of my own growth and my own um, understanding of myself and my world show up when I'm writing in these two different forms and they have fed and feed this way there's it's almost a dialogue back and forth between the two of them Mm -hmm. um, my personal writing and my public writing and I boy I wouldn't want to be without either of them they both serve such powerful roles for me in very distinct and different ways but I think it's the merging of them or the fact that both of them are in operation that has really impacted me Mm, that's really interesting so tell us a bit about about the, the kind of impact that doing that kind of, it almost sounds like iterative writing process between um, writing for yourself and writing for others. Mm-hmm. Um, about the impact that's had on, on you as a, sure. as a woman, as a writer. Yeah. <laughs> so the personal writing that I do for myself uh, has a, a very significant impact on me because what I've learned in the practice of it, the discipline of it over the years is that there's no reason for me not to be really honest on those pages. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I want to be and can be, I've learned how I, I didn't, this wasn't always true, but over time I've learned how to be really honest without self contempt Mm -hmm. on those pages. Um, I have more curiosity. I can be, you know, just babbling away about something with my pen mm-hmm. moving across the page. It doesn't have to be some deep, meaningful thing. And it often isn't. It's just a practice that I step into. Mm-hmm. And I will literally watch myself write words across the page and go, oh, my word, there it is. Or, wow, there was the voice of my inner critic. Or, wow, that's a core belief I hold that. I don't actually believe, but mm-hmm. I wrote that down. So that needs more attention. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I'll pick that thread back up and I'll keep writing about whatever it is that I've kind of stumbled across. Uh-huh. So that practice has um, really, uh, it's, it's really like, I mean, it, it's, a, it's like a form of therapy, really. It's so healing for me to be able to have space where I can honestly see myself on the page and then I hold that like I it doesn't leave my mind just because I put the journal away like Mm -hmm. I I think about that throughout the day I'm like oh there's that thing again oh my gosh there's that oh why is that still here okay this this is actually wanting more of my attention and of course those 
those things that show up make way into the writing that I'm doing in the public sphere. I take, um, I hope that, I can't speak for how other people experience my writing, but I hope that my writing in the public sphere is honest, is really invitational, and is speaking what I think other people already think, but don't know how to say, or didn't think mm-hmm. about it quite that way, or as soon as they read it, they're like, exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking, but I didn't know how to say it that way, or how did you know that, or, or are you inside my head, or you know, something like that. Um, but even that voice has developed over time. When I first started blogging, I was really, it was closer to my journal writing. It was my space to just kind of process and put stuff out there. And then I mo- I've moved through the years into like de- making myself deliberately change the pronouns. And instead of saying, I, 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 I've turned the sentences and I say you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went through a season where I was saying we, and, and I, sometimes I still flip back and forth for the sake of the piece, like there's some value grammatically or in terms of voice to do that. But I really now these days try to say you because I want to be writing from a place of authority and wisdom and certainty that what I have to say has meaning and value. Obviously, my personal writing, I'm not saying you, you, you. It's all me, right? So the external writing or the writing that I do on my blog and for for publication um, completely changes me because it is a, again, it's a discipline and a practice that the more I work at, the better I get. Mm -hmm. And then the more I want to make sure that, that I'm being clear, that I'm actually having impact. And when I can see that I do, that feeds and fuels me to do even more of the same. The personal writing is feeding and fueling my own personal development and growth. Mm. Um, so I, I could keep going, but hopefully that is, that's creating a bit more context and understanding. Yeah, no, no, it, it, it totally is. And um, I, writing is one of the things that I um, sort of suggest to most of the people that I work with in different ways as well. And then um, I think it's, it's sort of, it's the, it, it's like you're, you, what you're describing there is like the particular process of personal writing practice. It kind of sounds almost too simple in the beginning to be almost like it's just it's, you just write whatever's in your head. It all mm-hmm. sounds like it sounds like it's almost like nothing. It's like why would I bother? Or, or some people are like, oh, well, you know, I don't do that. But actually, it's a, it's it's incredible as you've spoken to what comes out of your head or your mind or your heart or wherever that comes from that can really inform you about yourself and also about, about other stuff. So I, yeah, for me, it's such a valuable thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm interested. Um, I understand you do have your website and uh, you have your blog as well as you have your app, my sacred news app. Um, Tell us about that, the app a bit. Um, Is it, because I realized there is a part that says my journal, is it to encourage women to voice up their thoughts or just take us through your app? Mm. Because it's quite interesting. Sure. So the app, um, it's called Sacred Muse. And what I did there was took 52 of the women's stories that I work with and tried to boil them down into... um, 
really short, succinct statements that I imagine they would speak, right? I'm imagining their voices. It's not my voice. Of course, it is my voice because I'm the one who wrote them, but I'm, I'm imagining their voice. So, for example, I'm just pulling one of them to see, oh, wouldn't you know, the person I pick up is Eve. So, um, you know, you reflect the divine. That, that would be what I would want her to say to you. Your desire is good. And your choices do not birth disaster. So each day you'd get one of those messages if Eve was the one that happened to show up on the day that, you know, they all rotate through, obviously. So what I want there is both for you to really hear that, that your desire is good. And then I offer just a journaling or a writing prompt that says, well, what if that's true? Or what's the desire that you actually stay away from because you don't think it's good? Or, you know, I can ask a whole bunch of questions. And even in my own writing, you know, there are days myself where I look at what comes on my app. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. I should write about that. Like, why do I think that my choice is birth disaster? Where's my story that tells me that that's true? That's worth me following and worth me paying attention to. And so for me, those prompts have come from my understanding of these stories and the women within them, and then my imagining of their voice. But my belief is that whether you like the story or you don't, whether you know the story or you don't, it doesn't actually matter because the truth that I'm imagining them speak is applicable to you and can be used as a prompt for your own writing and reflection. Mm. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explore a little bit more the, the Eve piece with you, Rona, because mm-hmm. I also know that you're, you have a TEDx talk as well that I've watched, I know, which is around the Eve story, and it's such a potent one because when you said, and I didn't exactly write down the, what the prompt was, but it was, it was about des- your desire being good, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, because what we... So the Eve story that's in, in Genesis in the Old Testament of the Christian Bible, in that, that story, the message that we often hear in the Eve story is that our desires isn't good, right? So um, I'm interested in what you do um, with those stories, you know, like exploring or sharing with people a little bit more about how you what you often do with those stories and I, I get those prompts. So, you know, and I, I don't, I confess to not looking at them every day, but look at them quite regularly. And um, you quite often turn the story, the stories, you know, what you've seen in those or, or felt in those Bible stories um, is very different from the, from the messages that mm-hmm. we might have heard from kind of traditional, um, what's the word, traditional religious mm-hmm. uh, practice or, mm-hmm. or teaching. Mm -hmm. I had to pick my words carefully there but yeah um could you speak a bit to how how you do that or how well not so much how Mm. you do it but but what's behind doing that because I think it's really well it's really it's a really profound Mm -hmm. thing that you do (laughs) well thanks yeah I mean Eve is the easiest story probably to use because even if we've not grown up in the church we all know the story right they're in Adam and Eve are in the garden and the serpent ostensibly tempts her to eat the the fruit and she takes a bite and then they're banished from the garden basically is the way the story goes. Um, But my thought about her story as well as any of these others is that, you know, that's just the way that we we've chosen to tell the story in a particular way in order to make a point. Yeah. 
the story in and of itself, whether it's true or isn't true, doesn't matter. What matters is that, that we've, we've applied meaning. And so when I look at why that story was ever told, what, was trying to, what were they trying to communicate? Why, when they were sitting around campfires, was this an important story to tell? What was the agenda underneath it? Mm-hmm. And what we begin to see is that perhaps the original intention of the story is nothing like where we've gone with it over the centuries because we had the influx of modernism or we had the influx of Protestantism or we've had, like there's all these social realities that have that have then used these stories from scripture in order to keep people in line in a particular way sometimes for our you know in really good and healthy ways but sometimes not and so you know with eve's story i think what we've done with that story over time is exactly what you're saying we look at it we go see this is what happens when you don't do what God says. See, this is what happens when you make decisions for yourself. See, this isn't a good idea. You shouldn't, don't give in to temptation. Don't, don't do that. Now, I'm not saying those aren't helpful messages in some context, but the problem with that is that then women as a gendered group are now, have been perceived that way throughout hundreds, if not thousands of years as the ones who caused the fall. It's not just Eve, it's all of us. And, you know, this is what I talk about in my TED Talk, obviously, but you can extrapolate all this out and see just the, I mean, it just breaks my heart to see what the ramifications of just that story have been on the world that we live in, not just as women, but women and men. And so what I say is, you know what, it's not the story, it's the way we told it. And if that telling can have that significant of an influence, just think what a different telling would do. Like, what if we tell the story and say, that was great, good for her. Yay, she ate the fruit. If, you know, if we just did that, yeah. it completely changes the trajectory then. Now, so from, again, from a, I mean, I'm working with women and I'm, you know, the, this, is, this is the point that I'm trying to make, not just with these, these stories, but with our own we have a way of telling our own story that either has been reflected back to us over and over and over again in our lifetime or that we've kept, it's our hamster wheel, right? Yeah. I'm, every time I try to make a decision, I'd make a stupid one or I'll never write a book. I can't possibly get that done. Or I always ruin relationships or I'll never um, get my act together as it relates to money or weight or whatever, right? It's, a, it's not a true thing. It's just the story we tell. Yeah. And so through, this is certainly what I do in my client work, but even in writing, that's my point, right? I can see myself write something out on the page and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's just the way I'm telling this story that isn't necessary. It's not actually true. What's the story I want to tell? What's the belief I want to hold? And what kind of... um, not even what kind, I don't want to say it as a question, the level of empowerment and agency and will I then have as a woman in my life when I recognize that I get to choose this stuff um, is exponential. Uh, But that isn't what we've learned. And so that's why I I can take any of these stories and I think, well, sure, that's the way it's always been told, but that's because men have been writing these stories uh, throughout all of history underneath the 
lens of patriarchy and okay, I get that. I don't even critique it, like understandably, mm. but we're way beyond that. Let's do something different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to the work that you're, you're offering now with women where you're writing with them, I think, or, or uh, well, um, witnessing their writing and mm-hmm. them with writing, um, I wonder how uh, you see that work as being about kind of creating change and changing narratives as well. Oh my gosh, that's exactly what it is. Because, you know, if you are willing to be vulnerable enough to let me see the writing, I mean, we're going to choose the prompt and we're going to think together about, you know, what that might be. Mm. But just as I can, I think because I can see for myself where these faulty beliefs are or these uh, destructive rabbit trails are that I can run down, like all those kinds of things. I also see it all the time in my clients, like both mm-hmm. in my conversations with them, but also in, in the writing exercises that I give to them. And so my part in that is to kind of read between the lines and then kindly and generously and with great care be able to say, you know, what I keep seeing in here is this theme that would make me wonder if you believe that it's not okay for you to actually express your desires. I would love for you to now rewrite this or to wander down that path of what happens if you really express your desire. And to do that with the, the, with the writing um, as a kind of support to finding out what that means, right? So what I was saying was that um, the in the practice and the process of sacred writing that I'm inviting, I want it to be a really generous and kind space in which you can you you can trust that I'm going to invite you to a deeper level of seeing within your own words. And if you can do that with me, which is you know which I think you can, and which is what I know how to do and what I want to be able to do, then my desire would be that you can do that with yourself. It also extrapolates itself further because everything that we write and explore in that space begins to be lived. Mm. And if it's not being lived, we feel that pain, right? Like when I'm writing or when I'm on in journaling, I feel so much myself and I feel so authentic and I feel safe and I feel strong and I can see these things, but my life doesn't look this way wait a second, what's wrong with that? You know, what's, why is there this disconnect? And so um, sacred writing is a way in which I can invite you into that conversation and that dialogue in writing with me. I have a friend the other day who said, it sounds kind of like therapy without having to talk or (laughs) coaching without having to have conversation. And I said, it is, you don't have to do it out loud. Let's just, you just write to me and I'll write back to you and we'll just keep this conversation going as you continue to explore the depths, you know, more deep, more and more deeply, your own story, your own heart, your own desires. Mm, that's very interesting. Um, I'm talking about, you know, it's like therapy. It's just writing and you don't really have to talk about it. Exactly. So just yeah. putting down, you know, pinning down what you're thinking. So um, maybe my next question will be now throughout this journey, um as a as a writer and as a woman what has been the most challenging moment for you well one might say that's every day when i choose to pick up the pen or don't or choose to sit down at the computer or don't but um 
I don't know that I would say it's a moment as much as I think the challenge for me, as, as I think it is for most women, uh, is just my, my inner critic or imposter complex, or it's my fears. Mm -hmm. It's my, uh, or my insecurities or my lack of self-belief. Um, all the stories I tell myself about why, why, you know, like why even bother? Like, this isn't going to go anywhere. Why are you doing you know, like that voice, the, the harsh critic that springs up so quickly within um, is, is and has been a significant challenge for me. I'm very clear that that really is the only thing that prevents me from writing, saying, doing, being who I want to be. And so again, it takes me back to my writing mm. because I can see what's in the way and that's the next thing for me to be writing about. What is it that you inner critic or imposter complex are so committed to protecting me from. What is that? And I'll write about that. And I'll write it in the voice of my inner critic. The reason that I'm preventing you from being successful is because if you were, then here's all the things that'll happen. Mm -hmm. Now I can look at it on the page and it looks like crazy talk, yeah. which it is, right? That's what's going on in my brain. And I need to see it in front of me, not to harshly expose it, but to kindly be able to look at it and go, oh, that's what you think? Ah, okay, let's talk about this a different way then. Let's look at this, like, it's okay. Like, I'm not 24, I'm 56. It's okay, I can handle it. It's okay, it's gonna be all right. But I'll write all that out. Like, I need the, I need, I need to give myself permission to let whatever it is that's showing up within me be expressed so that I can see it and work with it instead of just shove it down and have it keep popping back up, but never really identify what's going on. Yeah. And I, I, what I was going to just thinking or reflecting on as you were talking was certainly for me at a time in, the time in my life when I kind of was in the biggest mess, I would say, <laughs> about six or seven years ago and um, just before I kind of um, got divorced and before I left my job and stuff the thing that kept me going was writing in the morning whatever was going on and there was loads of challenges in my work and a lot of it was actually about that at the time and um, and it was actually what I came to know was that um, the writing it out itself really helped to dissipate some of it like the stuff mm -hmm. that was like kind of going churning in my brain when I would wake up in the morning was often like wasn't the real issue but it was the someone bugged me or you know so and so said this or did that and that would be the thing that kept me awake at night or woke me up in the morning and once I wrote it on the page I'd be like oh really <laughs> that is that what else is going on here and then you know it it would kind of uncover things so it's almost like um, not just the analysis of what, what you've written, but for me also just the actual process of it kind of helped it to dissipate sometimes as well. You know, I think I was, I was talking about this. I was talking about this a little bit last week um, in a Facebook live thing that I did, but uh, you know, we're so smart as women um, we know so much. We understand enough psychology, enough self-help, enough behavioral um, thing, cognitive things. Like we're we're re we really have a ton of information. And then the question becomes: Well, if that's true, why am I not responding to it? 
Yeah. Why am I not being who I know I could be if I just did X, Y, and Z? Why won't I do X, Y, and Z? Yeah. And then we move into shame, right? Then we start cycling around in that world. Like, yeah, I know what to do, but I won't do it. I'm like, I can't believe how lazy I am. I can't believe what a procrastinator I am. I can't believe I can't get my shit together and do this. Like whatever, yeah. which also we know isn't helpful. And the problem with all of that is that we never drop to the level of the wisdom that's within just waiting to be expressed because our brains just, it's like the analogy I was using is like, it's like walking to humane society and all the dogs start barking um, and it's noisy and they all need attention and they all want something, but I have to leave the humane society in order for the noise to stop. And the same is true. I have, to, I have to recognize all these voices in my head want something from me, but I'm not sure that they're helpful. Like I need to settle down or drop down into a place where I can really listen to what's really going on, which oftentimes is really hard to have to admit mm. because it's painful, because it's usually a place of grief, because it's you know, it's bound up in some kind of a wound or a sadness or a fear. Um, and it's way easier for me to stay up in my mental processes that shame me and <laughs> keep me spinning around. And I am the writing is, and, you know, other, other practices and practitioners and people that I work with, but writing is just one of them that, that, that calms the clamor a little bit and lets me really drop into a space that's way more honest mm. and way more scary way more scary and also way more beautiful but i and I, yeah and that's where i want to be i think and i think another thing it could be that you know how to bring that fire out in a woman once you're perhaps going through something and then you're so discouraged and how to pick mm -hmm. yourself up again so um firing yourself up once again it becomes a bit uh, you know a bit difficult sort of I, I could say that so um how how do you you know tell a woman like that who has been going let's say through something you know throughout her entire life and you know to make her get that fire back mm -hmm. get that the courage back mm -hmm. tell her, her to, you know pick up this pen and, and, and write mm -hmm. something and then you, you feel better mm -hmm. about yourself express mm -hmm. yourself you know how, how do you so, sort of I'm, I'm sort of interested in how do you let me you know encourage me to do that so i think i think about a couple things as you're speaking you know i think culturally we feel like we should just like get our shit together and get going like exactly. i need to get going mm -hmm. and though that is necessary and good and important I think that it becomes just one more way that I, I shove down the emotions that really need to be expressed because I don't have time to grieve. I don't have time to be angry. I don't have time to be sad. I don't have time for that. I just had to like, you know, kick ass and take names, um, which to me feels like just a leaping over what really needs to be addressed. So that's the first thing I would say is that maybe we need to reimagine re what um, fire looks like and that it doesn't mean I know I don't have time to pay attention to what is really important here which leads me to the second point you know in my experience both personally as well as in the lives of the women that I know and the women that I work with I think our most profound power 
comes from our ability to acknowledge just how powerful we are in places of profound grief and profound desire. And, you know, if we can name that we really, really long for, let's just say, um, love, right? I really long to be in a loving, meaningful relationship, and I don't have it. Mm-hmm. Now, what my culture would say is, oh, come on, you know, go get a makeover, get your hair done, buy a new outfit. You're good. You're fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's fi- you're fine. Can't you see that you're fine? You're good. All of which is true, but it's not actually addressing the part of me that feels alone. Mm. And so if I can go to the place of where I feel alone, what I begin to see right there is, wow, there's where all this water, um, like still waters run deep, right? Like the, the power in that emotion is so much more than the surfacey go, 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 go. For me, going to places of, of grief or anger or disappointment or desire have compelled me to be able to see just how profoundly strong I actually am. There's where my strength is. And I've just been denying this because it feels like it's going to be too hard and too dark and it's not going to allow me to keep skating across the surface in the way that I want to. And I think, no, it's just the opposite. When we go to these places of profound emotion, that's a woman's strength. Grieve, weep, wail, yell, scream. And in the midst of that, will you see just how strong you are, how much wisdom sits in that place? And then that's what will compel you forward. You know, I, like for me personally, it was in the midst of realizing that my marriage was falling apart and that I couldn't sustain it and that I actually didn't want to anymore that took me into this place of all kinds of frustration and confusion and fear and grief, 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 grief. But it was out of that that I went, oh, this is so sad that this is happening. And the only reason I can see how sad it is is because I can also see what my potential is, how I deserve to be treated, the life I want to live. I can't step into any of that without acknowledging that I don't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what has him, I mean, really, in many ways, that, that story, there are others, but that story that was excruciatingly painful is what has compelled profound aspects of my strength. But I had to go there. And that's the thing I think we don't want to do because we fear it. And it is where, <laughs> you know, anyone who works with me knows that's where I want to go. Like, it's safe. We can go there. Let's go to those places and really look at what's under the surface because it's so beautiful and so strong and so wise. We just have to listen and be willing to, to feel our way into it. I love that one. And, what, and while you were talking, what I, I was thinking about was the kind of cultural ways in which I think most cultures that I know anything much about, um, we're told or women are often told like to be less emotional, you know, not to cry. Many of us have learned whether subconsciously or consciously, like don't be angry. And, um, and actually if we take what you're saying seriously, then in, in, um, accepting that those ideas, we're actually kind of denying our own power and our own strength, you know? 
on a, on mm -hmm. a kind of communal basis as well of course as a personal one and I totally get mm -hmm. it but um, yeah, that, that actually on mass, if we accept this idea that somehow, oh, we, we should be, you know, nice, good girls and however it shows up for us, because it's different for everyone and, you know, mm -hmm. we shouldn't be too emotional, we shouldn't cry too much and, and we shouldn't, you know, put that on show and anger. Yeah, is which is a, another reason why I go back to the writing, right? right. Like maybe you do not live in a, in a context currently that's safe enough for you to be angry. Right. It's safe enough for you to grieve, Absolutely. but you can do that on the page. Yeah, where, whatever what it, your context. Right? Okay. We can do that on the page. And now, so what I'm presenting in this, in, the, in sacred writing is, you can do this on the page and then you can let me see it. Like, yeah. What if one more person could see it so that you're not carrying this alone? You don't have to express it in your bigger world yet. Let's just safely work with this uh, in a way that honors how you actually feel and you don't have to pretend. And the ironic thing about words and, and thoughts like these is that they're actually safer on the outside than they are on the inside buzzing mm. about when we're not conscious of them. A strange but true thing. <laughs> yeah, to be sure. I want to I ask you one last thing, Rona, and that's um, something about you. We, we like to ask our guests how they look after themselves and relax or like what, what other things... I hear that I've had, you know, we've heard that writing is a, you know, important part of how you take care of yourself, I guess mm -hmm. you could say, but, but what, what other things are important mm -hmm. for you? Sure. So I have a therapist that I see every two weeks who I've been seeing off and on for more than 10 years who I love and who uh, it's a man younger. He's younger than me. I mean, just, and I'm so grateful for that relationship. Um, and I don't feel broken. I don't feel like there's some problem that needs to be solved. I see that relationship as one of continuity and mm -hmm. really good mirroring for me. And um, so that, that is something that I'm really committed to. Uh, I also read, uh, you know, I love reading memoir. I love reading fiction. I love reading, uh, uh, I, that just feeds my soul to be able to take in other people's stories and walk with them through the story on how they, they are experiencing their own lives. Or the, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I love that. Um, and, you know, I have good friends who I spend time with. I am a admitted binge watcher of Netflix or Amazon. Um, so, you know, I'll find a series and then I'm like a dog with a bone for, you know, a couple of weeks until I can get <laughs> all consumed um so yeah i think it's um, I, so i would say with the exception of like um the the therapy which is still pretty personal and then time with friends it's really just the things that i enjoy for myself you know just sure. off the you know stepping away from my computer because i could work until i go to bed if i want to like there's always yeah. more to do right. so it's really just the practice and i've gotten better at it in the last couple of years since i've been working from home full time you know just like okay it's 2.30 or 3 o'clock. I've been doing this straight since 7.30 or 8 this morning. Like, walk away. Walk away. Um, yeah, so. Mm. But it takes discipline for me to do it. It takes discipline for me to, to, to practice self-care. I'm not particularly good at it. Um, and, I can, and I can see I pay the price for that, and I can see where this costs me. And so it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing invitation and place of growth for me to be sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah. 
no matter how much I invite it in other people. Still a practice that I have to do. I know, practice what we preach. Right. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so it's been great having you on the show, Ron. It would be um, just remind us the the writing um, sessions with you, what they're called, and and uh, I know they're on the website, but just just remind us about them. Yeah, so I've just just launched them recently. So this is a program called Sacred Writing, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's really what we've been talking about today, where you and I get on the phone for thirty minutes, and I get a sense of what it is that you're working with, whether that's your personal writing or it is something that you're wanting to put out into the larger world. And you would then send that to me. I'll work with it, ask questions in the midst, reflect on it almost like a conversation and send that back your way. You'll then work on it again. And and we can be an email conversation back and forth through this whole process. Uh, But we do this three times with the back and forth with great intention, with the idea being that you will drop into a deeper place of self-awareness, which will change and compel your writing in a different way, both personal as well as for publication writing. And either of those options are completely fine to me. Like I'm, I really want to be able to work with women who would never consider themselves writers, but they write all the time. And I also would love to work with, I also love working with women who do see themselves as writers and want to be better at that and really want their writing to be as honest and authentic and as vulnerable as they can possibly get it. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's about writing. It's more about vulnerability and honest conversation and curiosity and kindness and um, all kinds of things. And and I, I just, I love, love, love being able to do it. Mm-hmm. Very inspirational. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. And our theme tune over and over was written and performed by Eleanor Brown, who you can find at eleanorbrownmusic.com. <laughs>